Luciferianism is ultimately Gnostic and, and it's ultimately really the, honestly, it's all dependent on Christianity. You can't, you can't just within the tenets of, of Luciferianism uh, justify universals the way we can in the church, um, which is which is what's going to lead me to say, yeah, I think solipsism is a is a fundamental component of Luciferianism. Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of the Baptizing Philosophy podcast. Today, I am here with Aaron from the Chrisma Mysterion channel. Aaron is a relatively recent convert to orthodoxy, and he actually converted from Luciferianism. And uh, today, uh, you know, this podcast is about putting philosophy into dialogue with theology. And I don't know, uh, there one of the philosophies that I can confidently say are furthest away from the worldview of orthodoxy would be the philosophy of Lucifer. So, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about this. And uh, Aaron, uh, I'm sure a lot of people uh, watching this, this is the first time they've ever came across you. Uh, so why don't you just briefly introduce yourself? Uh, I know you've you've talked about your actual story, which is a very long and uh, fascinating story on elsewhere. Um, so I would just point people to your interview on Theoria's channel for that, but, um, maybe just a brief introduction to who you are. Yeah, my name is Aaron. Uh, I currently live in Florida. I'm 40 years old. I spent most of my life starting around the age of 11, uh, pursuing doctrines of the occult of the new age, perennial philosophy, you know, universal mythologies, these sorts of things. Uh, in my twenties and thirties, I began to use drugs as a as a sort of sacrament to further my exploration of those energies um in my late 30s uh i was brought to repentance and am now uh joining the orthodox church uh i've i've done a variety of jobs in my life but they've all i, I come more as uh from a working man working class background more than an academian and uh these days i just simply seek to use those years i spent in the occult to hopefully testify to Christ and help people make a decision in that direction. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so yeah, as I said, today we are going to be talking about Luciferian philosophy, which is maybe um, not the most accurate uh, way of phrasing it, just because there isn't just one Luciferian uh, theology or philosophy and or theology, which kind of makes sense if you think about it, because um, in orthodoxy, we stress having one faith one mind in Christ, and there's this unity of the worldview. So it would make sense that the worldview of Lucifer, the worldview of the demons, or the worldview that people adopt uh, through interactions with demonic entities would be fragmented and not have this universality that the Orthodox faith has. Um, so that being said, um, before we started recording, you mentioned that there's um, there's atheistic luciferianism and there's theistic luciferianism and that you were uh you fell more on the side of theistic luciferi luciferianism so maybe you could just um uh get into that uh distinction there and uh what what it means and what this two different uh uh, uh two different groups of luciferians uh believe uh be happy to answer that question but before we go any further i just want to say a quick prayer which awesome. is just a little bit of Psalms because of the nature of what we're talking about and also so that we not let our own pride and vanity get in the way. So let me first of all say, 
O Lord, our God, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Again, that's Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. That said, uh, so we have theistic Luciferianism, and then we have, you know, sort of just philosophic or atheistic Luciferianism. Uh, the underlying difference right right on the get-go would be uh, Lucif uh, theistic Luciferians believe they are in co contact with an actual entity, that there is a, a person out there um, that, that, you know, takes many names. Uh, Lucifer is the common one we're talking about now. And so they, they believe that there is a spiritual underpinning. They are interacting with real beings, whereas uh, the other form of Luciferianism is similar to like uh, Satanism today to where it's, 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 it's atheism with the dress up, you know, for Satanists um, of the Levian crowd. Uh, but I'd say the worldly Luciferianism is actually disguised under some seemingly harmless words such as uh, humanism you know a lot of the ideas right. of of liberty and all this that came out of the enlightenment period i would say at their core are luciferian you know in that sort of not not worshiping a, a being but sort of the taking on the archetype of the rebel i think is is something that really underlies both both schools or both thoughts is is this idea that the true nature of man is to be the rebel you know, I, I think that's the core that ties both schools together. Right. Yeah. Um, and this, I think you see this in the Bible. Um, I mean, it, it's funny to me to when you come across very liberal um, Christians or just liberals who aren't even Christians trying to interpret the Bible and, and interpreting uh, usually the sayings of Jesus as supporting um whatever um modern ideology political ideology based in revolution and based in these the bible is an anti-revolutionary work that is pretty clear at least from my reading and uh from other orthodox um uh scholars and uh, biblical commentators that i've read um the bible is pretty anti-revolutionary uh, revolutionary um now uh we have this uh belief in the enlightenment that the uh that the rebel is a good guy and um you this actually can be traced back obviously to genesis 3 with uh the serpent tempting eve into eating of the tree of knowledge um as um as i forget what philosopher talks says this it may have been hegel but one of these enlightenment philosophers and actually i'm sure it was many of them they actually present the serpent as the good guy the serpent is the good guy who um who liberates humanity from the um wrath of this uh tyrant god overlord and interestingly enough you see this sort of idea of a figure who rebels against a higher god and brings something uh to humanity you see this in old ancient myths um from different cultures and it almost seems like some sort of satanic propaganda that had um been um, pro proliferated throughout uh mankind and throughout the nations by these de demonic entities uh which is interesting um so with uh theistic luciferianism 
I'm just wondering, uh, for this, there would be an actual belief in stuff like the ability to uh, bargain with devils and to do actual magic and stuff. And then this would not be an actual belief of the atheistic uh, Luciferians. Like, they don't believe in magic or anything like this. They're just completely uh, materialist in this respect. Yeah, I'd say, like, let's let's flesh out the just the general theme a little bit more. Uh, so when it comes to Luciferianism on both sides, be it theistic or not, there is no general dogma. Mm. It's kind of like you said at your beginning. It's uh, it's like this collection of, of independents who at times they may overlap in their, in their goals, but right. there's no, there's no tradition with a capital T in Luciferianism the way there is in an Orthodox church. It uses mm. primarily a myth as a vehicle and, uh, because it, because it is ultimately based in solipsism, it's able to take from all the different religions whatever whatever myth serves their purposes. You know, um, we've already said it's distinct from Satanism, and that they believe there's there's actual um, reality or validity to the to the spiritual world. Um, in both forms of Luciferianism, the, the achievements of mankind are really held up. You see a glorification of the arts and the sciences of technology. Um, that's sort of like their temple, so to say. Uh, they, they really value truth, uh, freedom of will, and uh, they see knowledge and understanding as something fluid, something that changes depending on the uh, preferences of a, of a person or society at a given time. Theistic Luciferians believe that there is a spirit or many spirits that you can get in contact with, and this spirit would be your teacher, your friend, and the one true God. Uh, a lot of them fall into what would be considered left-handed path magic, which that's when the reason you're doing your magical operations is ultimately for some kind of glorification of your own self, your own will, whereas right-handed path is supposed to be a little more uh, charitable. Ultimately, they're, they're both corrupt, I believe, because it's devoid of honoring the creator, the, the source of all true things, you know. Um, there's a branch of Luciferianism known as Ar the Arcadian branch, which is basically they're secular humanists, but they bring on all these neo-pagan trappings. So you see this, like, for instance, in like uh, the rainbow children who wander around going to all the music festivals, you know, they'll have an American Indian headdress with a, with a Buddhist uh, tattoo and you know some kind of south american necklace on you know and and so it's just this pick and choose but ultimately ultimately both branches just luciferian as a whole they really prey upon the imagination and and the mm. passions right. of mankind which again from the understandings of the orthodox church those are things we are supposed to be heavily guarded but when you are given over to them um it it takes you on a certain journey and I think it's, I think choosing to walk down that path from my experience and the way I went, you're, you're given multiple opportunities to kind of eyes wide open, choose that path. And it does seem like after repeated decisions away from God, at some point, God does give you over to your own, to your own delusions. There's, there's many, um, many places in scripture where it talks about you being given over to mm -hmm. your, uh, to your delusions, to the things you want to believe, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, the, I think you have it spot on. Like, um, I, I really like the way you framed it where it's less so of the Hollywood depiction of, of 
demonic possession or demonic activity where it's just this extremely powerful force that just completely against your will just some innocent person takes over i'm not saying that's never happened before but generally when you are um when you're engaging with these sort of entities in this spiritual realm um which uh we are at this point quite uh we are not spiritually mature enough to properly navigate i mean that was the problem with adam and eve um, my personal opinion on that text is that eventually they were going to be allowed to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but they tried to do so before their time, before they were, um, before they are ready to do so. Um, and the, uh, I think it's the same thing with uh, dabbling into these uh, esoteric parts of reality that we don't yet know how to navigate at all, and we don't, um, we're not really aware, or most people aren't, of the types of spirits or the types of beings that could be in these realms that are that don't actually have the best intentions for us but yeah like you said it's um it involves like a conscious usually like a conscious um uh activity on your part to go down this route and you're um and i i can imagine because even just in the everyday experience of doing something you're not supposed to as a christian you know at, even if it's just in the back of your head that you do at least have the choice even if the passion feels so strong that i can't do anything else but do this um you know in the back of your head that there is the right way that you could pursue um so you would say that um to follow um at least in your personal experience to um become initiated into uh this worldview and with to commune with these entities involves um has to involve at least elements of your free will and your conscious um your conscious affirmation of what you're doing and not simply a uh like the again as i said like the hollywood depiction of just some entity taking you over and it has nothing to do with your uh your free choice or anything you just happen to be an un unlucky victim in this case right what comes to mind is uh mark chapter 7 verse 15 there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but those things which come out of him. Those are the things which defile a man. So again, it you know ha having a Luciferian um, mindset isn't isn't that bad thoughts or temptations visit you. It's that you, through your decision making, choose to entertain them. It's it's when you know our church fathers teach us that purpose of the christian life the reason why we are here the reason why god has given us this time is for repentance so we can come to repentance and i'd say the luciferian response to that would say no the the reason we have our time here is for is for revelry of one kind or another it's it's for carousing um right here luke luke 21 34 and take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life and so I think a lot of times that is what is drawing people into this in a Trojan horse kind of way is in our post postmodern world, there is such a thirst for belonging and, and for satisfaction and, and what, what Lucifer or even just a life of, of fleshly passions, it's, it's a quick, easy thing. It's right there. I mean, if you want to join that community, it's it's immediate so far as the uh the sense pleasure you're gonna get mm -hmm. 
unfortunately, it takes a lot of mistakes and time to realize that that's not really a true satisfaction. That's not really that because that's not what the point of life is. Life is not about revelry. You know, um, it's the difference between, you know, will, are you going to empty yourself and everything you have, you know, tried to tell God what life is about? Are you going to empty yourself or are you going to become full of yourself? That's another big difference is uh, when you are when you are just seething with the energies of Lucifer, it is all about puffing yourself up and, and you're, you're really drunk on your own power. You're really right. uh, hypnotized by your own reflection in the pond as, as narcissist, you know um, it's all about the exercise of your will versus what mm. the Christian life is, which is, it's not an exercise of our will. It's that we get to participate in the father's will. And again, I think when you talked about earlier about how it's not that we were never going to receive um, the, the fruits of, of, of knowledge is that we, we jumped the gun and we were premature and, and we are still, we are still unfortunately in that infancy and, and most of the things we count as progress, especially, like I said, since, um, you know, uh, the medieval period, just, you know, I'm thinking like the time of, uh, Florence, you know, with the Medici's mm -hmm. and, and all this mm -hmm. ever since then, we our hubris and our pride has just taken off, but we're still those things. We're still those uh, just small little things that are not ready to discern uh, the true mind of God. You know, like according to us, you know, God's nature is ultimately unknowable hmm. to a Luciferian, you know, the, the nature of their God, Lucifer, it's not only knowable, but, you know, to, to truly um, transcend or, or become powerful, you have to actually take on those energies. You have to own them. You know what I mean? And right. again, though, it's this big confusion between um, between the logos and the logoi. It's a big confusion between assuming that uh, what we observe in in creation is exactly mirrored in the nature of God. And we know mm -hmm. that's not true. We know God stands outside beyond creation, you know, and um, ultimately, though, it, it goes back to what makes us feel nice. And I think that's how a lot of people slowly began down the path to a Luciferian mind mindset, even if they don't define it as such. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and something you mentioned uh, is uh, partaking of the energies of Lucifer. Now, um, it, it's interesting, and I'd like to kind of get into this topic of uh, how this relates to uh, the energies in Orthodox Christianity and the way we cash this out, because I mean, energies can also be translated as activities. Um, it, it just refers to your work and what, what you are doing in reality. And to receive the energy from um, any particular being means you're receiving power. You're receiving a power of activity from a certain being. And you would assume that to in order to the conditions of receiving that activity it, or that power of activity would be to... In, engage in activities that align with the will of that being you've received them from. So if you want to receive the grace of God, um, and th this isn't to say you earn, like you earn the grace of God by your works, but if you want to keep receiving, um, the, uh, the, the grace that you initially receive in your baptism and you become a Christian, um, if you live your life completely rejecting the will of God, even if you're baptized and you just live according to the flesh, 
to use the biblical language according to the passions uh you will not uh you will not receive, uh, you will not be able to receive the grace of God in the same way. The energies of God um, will not be able to penetrate you and deify you because uh, God respects your freedom. And uh, this doesn't mean he won't try to call you back by his energies, by his activities in the world. But um, it, it means that there won't be able to be that synergy between you and uh, the will of God, the energies of God. So I'm just wondering, is there a similar notion in luciferian theology of uh sort of like a synergistic relationship between uh lucifer and um those who follow him in the same way we have an, a notion of a synergistic relationship between god and man i'm i'm expecting i'm suspecting that it's not a completely uh symmetrical view of of the way synergy works here the way you commune with um uh with beings and with each other um and particularly i'm wondering if there's the same emphasis in luciferian theology on uh the freedom of the of the of the subject who's engaging with uh with these uh entities and with these beings who are giving their energy uh and their power acti of activity to uh to these people well again i would stress that there's there's no school of luciferianism there's no universal mm -hmm doctrine so you're you're going to get different answers from different practitioners mm -hmm. however the way the way i went about things um just as just as in the orthodox faith somebody who truly dedicates themselves to to the godly life begins to take on uh certain attributes you know you think of um the corpses of saints having sweet fragrances you think of cases of like biolocation of a saint to appearing um all the miracles associated and i'd say the the same thing is is true of luciferianism the way i practiced it and that the point was to become a a, a literal vehicle um a, a good actually a good reference or, or a good comparison would be um, the Theotokos, the way she made her will subservient so that she could become a vehicle. That's similar to Luciferian, but it's it's an entirely different uh, destination. One of the one of the things that one of the things that I will say I struggled with, and thank God I struggled against it because ultimately it kept me from going too far. I feel, but I remember in in the throes of um, Luciferian experiences. There being a sense in myself that I truly knew what was good, meaning God, I, I knew there was a the good guy, so to say. Yet I was also very much aware of all these um, lusts of my own flesh, and I was caught up in this idea that the idea that they were not reconcilable was a, just a shortcoming of myself, and that you know if I continued pushing and all that, I would be able to to justify whatever behavior I wanted as a sort of like, basically, it's kind of making the human soul or the human mind the alchemical crucible where you're trying to get to that universal substance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, the difference is though, I, if you're really observant and honest with your life, as if you're a Luciferian, a theistic Luciferian, you will notice that, yes, in the middle of, of rituals or intoxication, there's much, there's much ecstasy, so to say. Um, and there's much uh, pride in thinking that you figured something out. But if you notice, once you come down from that high, the, the quality of your life 
and and uh, the the lightness or darkness of your personal thoughts hmm. ultimately are destructive, very destructive. That's that's what helped me to turn away from those things was after so many years of thinking like, okay, I'm so close to um, fully embodying uh, this. Like I said, ultimately it's a solipsist uh, relativist mindset. Um, luckily I didn't succeed in that because I always, I always came away realizing that my life, it, if all that is true as promised by, by the occult, then my life should have been a lot more enjoyable than what it was. You know, and that was sort of a by their by their fruits ye shall know them. Um, one big difference I would say is that, uh, and you know, I'm not saying this comes from from the traditions, but just an idea I have about you know our reality is that you know the true the true model reality is that it's projected into us. Whereas when I was a Luciferian, I very much had this idea that reality is something that I am projecting outward. Mm -hmm. And since I am projecting it outward, then all the, all the so-called evils of the world are simply a result of my lack of understanding or my, my littleness and my ability to, um, to close the paradox, so to say. Mm. Did that answer the question? Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And um, I've actually talked about a similar uh, things uh um, my inspiration to talk about uh, uh, this stuff was from Jonathan Peugeot. And by this stuff, I mean um, this idea of man as this closed totality, this being who has no dependent on um, some sort of transcendent other, such as the creator God, um, to receive energy of activity, to um, um, to establish your identity but everything uh comes from man himself who is this um sees himself as the totality like you were saying all reality is sort of a projection out of you this is sort of a the solipsistic uh, uh beliefs uh that you've held and i've been tempted by as well um it's like um the what jonathan peugeot talks about is the symbolism of 666 um the way he interprets it, and I'm pretty much convinced of it, is that six is the number of man because man was created on the sixth day. Now, uh, you have man created on the sixth day, and creation is is done. It's been completed. But you still need that seventh day because that's the, the day when the transcendent God, you you take the perspective of God who who is gazing upon his world, and God as this this being who is above and beyond the world. Um, so he's not just imminent to the world, he's transcendent from the world, and he is able to gaze at it and he um sees it as this full totality that it is. But if you were to subtract God from that equation and just um take an inside perspective, the, the issue with that is, um, and this relates to a, the philosophy of consciousness that I've been that actually ultimately led me to Christianity working through these paradoxes. Um as a subject, you yourself can never know the totality of reality because you are you are in reality itself. So how can a piece of the puzzle, uh, how can a piece of the puzzle be or or constitute or see the totality of reality? Well, the answer in orthodoxy is that we we transcend ourselves. We transcend transcend our our finitude and we're deified we actually enter into the supernatural infinite god and in this way we're able to um commune with and um see the rest of the world essentially we will receive all of this knowledge which we have an infinite 
craving for that can't be satisfied with worldly things because worldly things are finite. Um, now, um, what you were talking about really resonated with me in this idea of 666. Yeah, what I was going to say is that um, 666 is basically man enclosed within himself. It's like the beast system, which closes off everything. And it's it's um, the beast is this uh, authoritarian power structure, which expresses this logic of the pride of of man, of fallen man, who persecutes everyone outside because all these people outside are threats to the hegemony to the power of the um to the beast system and i think in the same way the prideful person um in their um activities with other people there's um as the father say pride leads to hate pride leads to hatred because when you have this feeling that you are in some ways um especially significant or more important or the center of the world, these other people who also experience themselves as um, not necessarily as prideful, but as as singular subjects, which with their own life, with their own value, they actually become a threat to you. Um, so uh, that would be the symbolism of 666. It's like the closure of man within himself. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about. So um, I would you say that uh, solipsism is um because i'm curious because um is solipsism like a essential part of luciferian uh, philosophy even though uh there as you we've been saying there is no one luciferian philosophy and also um how did you um how did you sort of fit together the ideas that there are uh beings that outside of yourself uh that you're interacting with with the notion that you are in some ways the um the projector of reality like were were um were these entities just um also just part of you ultimately or was that uh, your belief to answer the first question i'd say i think yes solipsism is essential for a luciferian worldview and what i mean by that is you know through through the tag argument for christianity you know we we are able to justify you know uh our universals and and Christians, we don't have to reference Lucifer or anybody else's God. It's we can entirely do that within our our, our Christology. However, Luciferianism is ultimately Gnostic, and and it's ultimately really de honestly, it's all dependent on Christianity. You can't you can't just within the tenets of of Luciferianism uh, justify universals the way we can in the Church. Um, which is which is what's going to lead me to say yeah i think solipsism is a is a fundamental component of luciferianism to answer the second question um i'd say how how did i come in contact with these entities were they were primarily well initially they were through sex they were through um masturbation as a teenager just to be frank um for the record i'm a pretty open book you know um, i i will glad not gladly but um I'll go wherever the conversation has to go. And so where it has to go is it was through my early explorations of my own sexuality that I'd say I first made contact with these beings. And then later that was that relationship was reinforced through use of psychedelics and ceremonial magic. So that's that's how the relationship started. And then as I continued to use sex, uh, ceremonial magic and psychedelics, I only became more and more convinced of the reality of those spiritual beings. Hmm. And ultimately, you know, now coming to Christ, I don't 
I haven't turned around and said, no, there was nothing to those experiences. I'm saying, mm-hmm. no, yeah, I, I still believe in a theistic Lucifer. You know, I just right. will not worship him now. You know? Right. 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 Um, yeah. Like, like you were saying, or like you said, um, there, there isn't, there isn't the ne- necessity to, ju- to just say, no, these experiences, they weren't true. They're purely uh, a function of your imagination because uh, interpreted from the proper perspective, they actually lend credence to uh, our, our worldview here. Um, and I find it interesting um, that uh, people don't in the Western world don't really know this, but um, it, it doesn't take a lot of research to find out that in places that generally don't have Christ um, and and aren't immersed in our science, uh, scientific and materialistic worldview that is now dominant in the West, interactions with with supernatural entities is it's not a debate that this is a reality in certain places, in certain places like Africa and in certain places in India. It seems like um, there the presence of spiritual entities um, which are not aren't necessarily, um, you know, uh, um, benevolent um, is almost taken for granted. Um, and uh, it, it in in certain uh, groups and cultures, it, it's almost taken as uh, some sort of essential part of, of life. Um, so what we don't realize in the West is that uh, there is a there is a strategic reason why these entities don't just reveal themselves because you can imagine what would occur if suddenly everyone became aware that Lucifer was uh, real and that demons were real. There would be um, no doubt in my mind a sort of mass conversion. Not saying everyone, um, because you know we're fallen beings, but there would be a lot of people who would begin looking into Christianity because the main temptation of today, um, and by temptation I mean like the main thing um, that is leading people um, away from from Christ and a Christian worldview is materialism. Um, that's sort of it's almost like the basic ideology that you are um given that you're taught in schools and stuff and materialism while it involves a sort of outright rejection of the existence of of any sort of spiritual entities it doesn't mean that you're somehow um you're somehow safe from any uh influence that that they may have so i think what people don't realize is that um while in- encountering um spiritual entities um, isn't completely um, impossible in the Western world. It's significantly less likely to occur, especially if you're not actively seeking it out as you were, um, than in places where their their uh, Christ uh, and the gospel isn't uh, either is uh, relatively unknown or just hasn't really. Well, I guess most of the world has basically been uh, uh, preached to, but. Uh, Christ is relatively unknown, so these entities can interact with people, and they don't have this reference to Christ uh, um, that uh, would lead uh, them to uh, to to see the reality of of the spiritual world and then accept Christ. So basically, um, what I was just wanted to point out that um, um, you're talking about encountering spirits and stuff, and maybe someone watching you isn't a Christian or anything would find this just utterly ridiculous, and uh, uh, but just do some research and look into the types of stuff that occurs outside of the Western world. Um, encountering demonic uh, entities, encountering spiritual, encountering spiritual entities is, is isn't just, 
it isn't something that never occurs. It, it is actually well documented, and it does does occur. Uh, I think it's we got to understand the role of imagination. Hmm. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot of people who yes they they might not have all this reading under their belt to to help fill in what what all this grammar means i mean that's what the beginning of the trivium is 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 grammar understanding exactly what god and spirit and word and person and all these really are and because we've been so dumbed down a lot of people for a lot of people receive those uh definitions through entertainment ultimately through their imagination right here's a case in point uh here's a book the secret history of the jesuits and i gotta there's a there's a naughty symbol under there so i gotta <laughs> that's how ridiculous the world is these days but in this book right here it says uh ignatius understood more clearly than any other leader of men who preceded him that the best way to raise a man to a certain ideal is to become master of his imagination hmm. so there's there's always been true operatives in the operatives in the world who knew they were working for lucifer and, and for a long time uh since Christ, those those had to be secretive groups, but they've been coming out in the open more and more to where now we have mm. basically uh, the mainstream culture of America is Luciferian. Look at what just happened with the Grammys. You yeah. Know I mean? And and how did we get there? We got there by our imaginations first mm. and foremost. It wasn't because they sent out great philosophers to, to preach in the middle of, of Main Street. Right. No, it's because they sent out Disney and the Beatles. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so, um, and we got to be careful by anybody who is, has a lot of zeal and fanaticism. It, again, Ignatius Loyola, perfect example. Another good example would be, this is uh, the life of Muhammad. Nice, mm -hmm. very old book. And in here we read about how, uh, I'm not going to read it because it's very small print, but basically Muhammad was an epileptic. And I think I think that's in reference to when we hear about the the epileptics in the New Testament who get who have demons cast out mm -hmm. of them and all that. Again, though, these are both both of those cases. Ignatius Loyola and Muhammad are are men who are having bizarre personal private experiences, and and I feel like something got a hold of their imagination and took off. And then look and then that's just two men but let's look at what two men giving into their own personal revelation happened we ended up with the jesuits and 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 the then the muslims hmm. and look at everything that's happened in the in, in the past thousand years because of those two groups right there you know um right here saint gregory apollonos he talks about the sequence of sin and uh the first is provocation provocation comes first Next comes coupling, um, and then next comes our ascent, and lastly, we have action. So if we go to the first thing, provocation, there's a lot of people who would not, in their just daily life, they're not going to be thinking about things like uh, demons coming through technology or, or vampirism or sex magic or anything like that, but they get introduced to those ideas through a Netflix show or a popular song or whatever. And that right there is the provocation. And because, because, we, because of the fall and, and our weakness against sin, it is very easy for us to couple ourselves to that. And, 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 and then especially if we see our whole society supporting that idea, it's almost inevitable that 
we ourselves and, and thus our whole culture is going to become a very sinful place. And, and that's what we see happening in the West today. Right. Yeah, no, that was a great, that was a great point. Like um, the, the problem with the imagination, like on, on a theological level is that um, it, it involves a sort well, for one, it's like your imagination is occurring within your own mind. Now, when we're talking about prayer and we're talking about spiritual experience, we want to be um, communing with something that is beyond our mind. Um, like as uh, all the fathers talk about in terms of theosis, um, it's beyond intellect. So it's not even that we just have a, a meeting of minds with another mind, but um, it's actually beyond intellect. So imagine how um, the risks of the imagination, which is by definition all within uh, your own mind. So it's like this um, uh, this infatu infatuation with, with yourself and with your own um your own thoughts and your own um your 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 own uh imaginations and um it's it's in these that you have the um ability to be uh deceived it, it's in these um in the uh uh in in the imagination so actually i was just wondering um with your um encounters with uh spiritual beings would you, throughout your life or in general, would you say that there was a sort of gradual progression of what was expected of you, what they were telling you uh, ab about reality and about what you should do and who you were and stuff like that, or if they even told you any of this stuff? And do you think were there signs of like actual like manipulation occurring that is almost analogous to modern day like 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 grooming almost in a sense where you become more and more prepared to go more and more get, uh, deep into the rabbit hole, if you will. Um, like, I'm, I'm just wondering, it, are they, um, cause we know that Satan is a deceiver there there. And, and these entities are very, very clever with the way they uh, engage and, and, and they know that you couldn't just fully reveal to um, uh, the average person, the, um, the, the full depths of what they want from human beings. Right. So it has to be like a process you would think, um, it, was that the case with the, with you throughout your life? Yes, very, very much. So, um, it, it started out innocently enough in my teen years, but by the time we get to the end of the road in my thirties, it was a lot of fear fear had a lot to do with with why i ran because i'd begun to realize the magnitude and the absolute wickedness that i was potentially about to enter enter into you mm -hmm. know things that you might hear about them or read about them but when you suddenly realize you're hanging out with the people who can put you in those places it it suddenly gets very black and white mm -hmm. i always laugh at these people who want to sit back in their cozy houses talking about whether there really is right or wrong and all these hypothetical situations. I'm sorry. When you are in the presence of true evil, you can, if you have a, a little, even the smallest amount of discernment, it's something you can feel. You can sense it. Same right. thing with goodness. You right. know? Um, so a few examples would be. Uh, there was. Uh, I would say one of the things to understand is that. So much of the the satanic empire, and by that I mean first and foremost the the invisible spiritual components, but then secondarily the the active agents here on the earth. So much of that is 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 organized and accomplished through through a, a telepathic system, and it's a it's an unconscious form of telepathy in most cases. In other words, like uh, if you're you know um, 
allowing the energies of Lucifer to lead your life, you're going to feel a, a compulsion to go a certain place at a certain time. And you might not know what to expect there, but then when you get there, you suddenly, you meet somebody who introduces you to a place or a thing, and then suddenly it all makes sense. And that's how mm. your, your Luciferian faith is built. It, right. It's really right. based off of um, just going with the flow, uh, with right. synchronicity. It has a lot to do with chaos magic that is put forth by Peter Carroll. So, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, j just quickly, would you say there's a relation here between um, these sort of coincidences that would pop up in your life and this, um, like on psychedelics, there's this um, this feeling that there's patterns to everything and everything is like occurring in a specific for a specific reason, and you think there's like you figured something out about about the world and the way the world works. Definitely, because ultimately, I mean the the Orthodox Christians have the same view that I had as a Luciferian, which is Lucifer is or Satan, how, whatever name you want to use, does have some power in this world. So if you are just relying on physical synchronicities, the devil is able to arrange those sorts of events very mm. easily. And the whole mm. reason I was laying that groundwork about living life synchronistically and, and satanic empires being maintained uh, telepathically was to then sort of validate some experiences I had. I, I remember being um, very much feeling like I was... Uh, a protege of of jack parsons i wasn't into rocketry but i mean a lot of the kinds of things i was getting into and going i remember him being one of my heroes and and through through letting myself be led around telepathically i ended up out west met a very interesting person with a very interesting library and he happened to have the largest collection of jack parsons personal handwritten notes about things and he handed these to me so I could study them to them. And I was reading through the notes and, and they were on the exact day. I think it was a day in, in November. But the day I was sitting there reading the notes was the exact day Jock Parsons had wrote those notes many decades before. And when something like that, and that's just one example. And I mean, I had, you know, life was full of these sorts of things. And, and when you start seeing it where there's just how could that be arranged any other mm -hmm. way if there's not right. some sort of spiritual thing at hand? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, one thing about these people, and this is sort of, and you had talked about being groomed. Yeah. Uh, if you travel the world as an occultist, and again, you're relying on sort of the, your invisible friends to help you, um, you're going to come to the attention of certain people who can who can make things happen and mm -hmm. and if they think that you can help further what's important to them they will they will give you the means to do so so long as you remain obedient to them for instance i i recall I, one thing about me is i used to be i used to have a, a great passion for fame i wanted to be a, a famous artist and a famous musician and all that you know that's what a lot of us are sold on these days well I ended up through, through Luciferianism coming into contact with people who can put you in those sorts of places. And in a roundabout way, I was pretty much told, well, we'd be willing to support and back your work if you're willing to get a sex change. This was this was a couple of years ago before all this really took off. Mm. And I and and so I knew back then that they, this this meme of of transness, be it uh, transhumanism or transsexual mm, or whatever, mm. but that this was coming because these people were very interested in, in people who were willing to just embrace that. 
and 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 they do it on a carrot on a stick you know what i mean the the thing about luciferian and satanic networks and so and and the people who do the grooming and do the controlling is when they find somebody that they think is is potentially useful they're going to put all kinds of influences in your life cool people interesting books they're going to take you to interesting places and they're going to slowly introduce ideas because it is essential that you think it's your idea that's essential i feel mm. Um, right. they're not just going to force somebody at gunpoint or blackmail to do something that comes later. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? After you've been in the network for 60 years and, and you're facing the end of your life thinking you want to repent, that's when they, they have the control files brought out. Mm -hmm. But initially to get you to a point to where they can get a control file on you. Yeah. They're going to make you think it's, it's your idea to, to do all these things. And so it, it takes, it takes time. It takes proximity, you know? And, and like I said, I, I feel like a lot of these things, the, 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 the grain of sand of which the pearl is built around is, is invisible. It's spiritual. That's why you can think of like the, the Illuminati conspiracy. And you look over the past, you know, centuries and you can say, it is impossible that mankind could have orchestrated this fine tune of a plan. And for that reason, a lot of people will discredit any talk of uh, a governing class or anything like that. And I agree with them. It is impossible that men could have come up with such an infernally uh, a plan. Anyways, back to the point. I wanted to stress something about the philosophy, uh, an element that these people really rely on. And that is this idea of perfection. Hmm. They see that, yeah, cre creation is, is neither positive nor negative. Creation is perfect. And everything that we can observe in that creation is perfect. And if we think it's bad, it's simply because we have not evolved enough in, into the, the Luciferian ideal to understand. Mm -hmm. um, they, would, they would define that uh, evil entities are not evil at all. They are merely performing according to their inner dynamic, which keeps the entire balance in harmony. They also say that uh, we were trained to have a perception of imperfection and that we have to overcome this programming. And so therefore that things which we perceive as decay or evil as corruption is actually the activity of a perfect creation at a scale and position, mm. which we perceive as imperfect because of our own incorrect viewpoint or belief in and of itself. Creation is neither positive or negative, simply perfect. Mm. And so the people who want to do bad things to innocent people, right? Uh, a lot of times this is how they will justify it. They will say that, well, we can see that we can see that bad exists. We can see that suffering exists. We can see that torturing exists. Therefore, in my life, I need to make my life as much about pleasure and all these things. Um, and, and I need to come to a perfect understanding that none of these things are actually evil. They must exist so that I can enjoy, um, you know, the fruits of life. And so, these are the same people who will, on one hand, like, see, it's so hard for me to talk about these things because it's, it, it's scary, man. You got to realize, like, there are some things you, you can't go to the police about because you realize how much the police are actually involved in these same networks, you know, and it's hard to talk about the reality of the scary stuff. But, but long story short, if I can summon the courage, sweet Lord, help me. The people who want to like rape and murder children, they will at the same time hold a philosophy to where they they honor those children because they, they say that 
It is only because we put them through such suffering that we are able to thereby sort of like almost like a vampire suck up this sweet nectar mm. of pleasure, mm. you know? And right. Um, right. that's how they close the, the paradox is that it, it's not about negative or positive. It's not about light or darkness. It's about perfection. It's about, again, justifying every most wicked action under this idea that, you know, we cannot escape the world of dualism. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, That's a great explanation. And uh, when you when you mentioned like this vampire, like sucking up of energy, I think this is like the crucial difference between from my understanding what this um this type of um communion you can have with uh, these, uh, and just relations with not only entities, but with other people within a, um, Luciferian, Luciferian worldview versus a Christian one. Um, a great little book is St. Seraphim of Sarov's on the acquisition of the Holy Spirit. And near the end, he talks about how, um, the, the goods of God don't follow the laws of economics. When you, when you trade and when you trade a, um, um, a material good, it will necessarily devalue in, in 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 value, and I think it's the same thing even with pleasures and with passions. The more you get, like when you're uh, when you're young and you're, you're you just first introduced to sex, drugs, all of this, it's it's a great experience. It's 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 very um uh, it's new. It's but after a while, it just becomes mundane, and that's why that is why people have to do more and more and more of this stuff in order to keep that same dopamine rush and what, what however you want to describe it. But the thing with as Saint Seraphim says, the goods of God, the good of love, of charity, when it is distributed, it actually increases in value. And I think this relates to something you were saying with um how uh, I, I've heard it, an analogy before where tragedies, um, uh, exactly what you're saying with like um, the thinking that there is actually evil in the world or that the world is evil is just you don't have a uh, you don't have a universal enough perspective, I guess. It's like there's a little dot on a painting that if you zoomed into it, it seems like it shouldn't be there. But then you zoom out and you see that it's actually this harmonious whole, like the painting is actually a, a harmonious whole. But Christianity doesn't ascri ascribe to this because we see that every single human being has infinite singular value. Um, as St. Augustine once said, God loves you as if you were the only person he ever made. You're the only person in the world. And um, this sort of uh, the idea that we could devalue and um, we, we could commit harm against these individual people in service of the greater good. Uh, some sort of greater good, uh, however you define that, is completely contrary to Christianity because of the singular value of people as images of God. And I, I think this re this has to relate to the different ways you understand how you relate to other people in general. In Christianity, you relate to other people as these uh, singular, absolutely valuable people that you have to love, images and creations of God. And when you actually love these people... Um, this is what you don't understand. This is like something that seems illogical to us. And and it and it is in a certain sense, uh, according to fallen re reason, the logic of the more you give, the more you receive. This is what Christ says. If you try to keep what you have and be selfish about it, you will lose that ultimately. But if you commune it, uh, that is how you will you will get the fullness of life. And it's like it, it's it's a weird thing where like if you're um if you're an, a prideful and you 
person and you're narcissistic and an ego, ultimately, this will lead to, lead to a fragmentation of your identity. But you actually find your identity and you find the fullness of meaning and, um, and uh, purpose precisely when you self-transcend yourself. Um, and this is like, this I think it's the beauty of the Christian worldview, the way these um, seemingly what are paradoxes actually work in a very consistent logic, but one that just seems so contrary to fallen rationality. An interesting difference is the way we handle fear. You know, we are told that fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, whereas mm. in, in my old philosophy, you know, fear was weakness. And uh, I used to use an example that, because uh, again, the you know back back then the the whole goal was simply to synthesize all things that you know there were no acts that were ultimately despicable. You just had to find the right angle. And I used to use when I was trying to explain this philosophy to people, I used an example that the reason we had the 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 image of the devil or the reason that we had fear was it acted like it acted like the security guard at a bar and and the analogy went something like this ultimately your life is supposed to be on pleasure and the afterlife or even elements of this life is kind of like the best party you can ever think of and again i'm speaking mm -hmm. as as the old me someone totally given over to partying and lust and all that right and the idea was was that um if you still had fear you were not permitted into that party if you still you know, believe that God would judge you, or if you believe that uh, there was something inherently wrong about what you were about to do, then you weren't allowed in the door. And so Satan didn't really exist. He was just there to, to keep the weak willed out. There is this huge superiority complex in, in advanced Luciferians, I would say, to where you, it's a very much a Gnostic idea to where you feel yourself superior. And so you have to overcome things like fear, whereas that's a completely opposite um from us understanding the fear of god you know and, and only fearing that you know mm -hmm. um there's something i wanted to share which would be this is from saint john uh, chrysostom and it goes back to human reasoning because you got to understand that the way i got so far into the enemy's camp was through my own mind I had always prided myself on being able to figure things out and be advanced. And so it was, it was, it was a endeavor of human reasoning that got me that far. Hmm. And this quote from uh, St. John Christotum, I think illustrates that it says, now nothing makes one so dizzy as human reasoning, which says everything from an earthly point of view and does not allow illumination to come from above. Earthly reasoning is covered with mud. Therefore we have need of streams from above so that when the mud has fallen away, whatever part of the reason is pure may be carried on and may be thoroughly imbued with the lessons taught there. This takes place when we manifest both a well-disposed soul and an upright life. For it is possible, it is possible, I repeat, for the mind to be darkened also by corrupt habits and not only by untimely curiosity. And that is what led me astray for so many years. It was untimely curiosity, same thing like we were saying 30 minutes mm -hmm. ago in mm -hmm. the garden, it was untimely curiosity and corrupted habits. And uh, that's what I see being promoted all over social media and, and on all TV and music. It's all about maybe pursue that curiosity and develop them bad habits. You know, um, I really, I really pray for all of us these days. It's, it's getting very scary because I, like I said, I've, 
I come from the other side of things and uh, there's nothing but murder in, in store for, for all of us. I'm, I'm really serious. Uh, these people are very sick. Right. Know? Right. Um, yeah, no, it's a very, very unfortunate situation. And uh, one thing I'd like to talk about, just actually the final thing, um, something you mentioned before that uh, I think kind of sums up everything about luciferianism even if there's not a single belief i think i think this sort of gets to it um because to be well like the lucifer lucifer and the fallen angels because they were created into eternity they were created um into a full communion with god when they sit when they turned away from god it was like they had the fullness of the truth and they said no to it um that is what uh christ calls blasphemy against the holy spirit now there will be a time and typically in our tradition, this has been identified with uh, basically immediately following your your death in the in the earthly realm. There will be a time when you are no longer given the time, and by time, uh, the time for repentance. This is a time where God mercifully um, sort of um, he doesn't fully reveal himself. That's that's what it has to do because. Uh, that's what it has to do with because when God fully reveals himself, when eternity makes himself present, you're brought into eternity. Now, what then you have a choice and your choice can either be to turn your will away from God or you can turn it towards yourself ultimately. And then if you do the latter, you will fall into your own abyss and you will reject the truth and sort of make um like an eternal choice. And that's what we mean by that. That is why there can't really be repentance after death because you're no longer given the time to repent. You're no longer uh, given that distance uh, from the creator in order to uh, to repent. Um, now, um, that being said, um, these beings are as such, as having re rejected uh, God in totality, they're um, in this state of the closest you can possibly be to the essence of evil without actually losing their existence, because if they were to truly be the essence of evil, they wouldn't exist. It's impossible to be the essence of evil because there is no essence to evil. Evil has no logos. Uh, it has no ra uh, reason and it has no purpose or being as such. What evil is, is a privation of the good. And it, it, um, the way it acts in the world is through perverting what is fundamentally good. So one thing I wanted to bring up um, was what you were saying about uh, all these various sorts of trans uh, ideas like transhumanism, transgender, all this stuff. Um, it's like um, it, it's it's a corruption, a perversion of what we're meant to be like in, in, in the case of transhumanism. We are meant to. Yes, we're meant to trans. Uh, we're meant to surpass our our our. Um, our created state um but the way we do this is through entering into the uncreated life of god like we are meant to become uh gods through uh through the one god through unification with this one god um and god became man so that we may become god or like god now um in the case of transgenderism there is meant to be this unity between male and female even christ himself says there is no no male nor female in uh in in christ jesus um actually does Christ say that or this Paul? Um, anyways, um, it's like this is um, with transgenderism, you sort of have like a weird unity of male and female or like a um, uh, the distinction between male and female is completely destroyed in this ideology. But this is a perversion of the true unity we're talking about, a unity which preserves the distinctions like the Trinitarian God. Um, so you see my point that I'm getting here is that there's 
there's a sense in which evil has no creative capacity. All it can do is pervert what is ultimately good. And it can per and the way it perverts is by um sabotaging sabotaging the natural movement of these things towards their purpose or towards their telos like a saint maximus the confessor talks about um created beings are made in a state of movement towards their logi but through sin it's possible to deviate from this path um and not uh and not be not able to uh self-transcend um so I, I just wanted to ask you would you say that from your experiences um Lu the luciferian philosophy it just has this character of being a perversion of what is ultimately true and good um which is in its highest form the the, the christian faith like um i i read this book by a man named pavel florensky who's an orthodox priest and he talks about how the utter um lack of creativity in um these satanic groups who they can't even perform their own types of of rituals like that are essentially their own they have to just pervert it and cre create stuff like uh black uh satanic masses and stuff like that like satanic liturgies like this is just a perversion of the of orthodox christian and, and christian worship and so it's it's not a creative capacity something new but it's actually just a perversion of what god created and a perversion of its its purposes um so so would you say that this despite the um despite the um differences within different people and uh belief systems that would we would broadly characterize as luciferian would you say that this idea of the the essence of it all would be this perversion of what is naturally good and a lack of actual creative capacity to um to bring about new things in in the world yeah i think ultimately the luciferian philosophy is is vampiric mm. yeah it's, it's like we were saying earlier you can you can have a epistemic justification just talking about the trinity you don't need to mention anything else you can't do that with luciferianism it is always in context in relation to something else you know i think that's why there's so many occult practitioners who end up in any form of vampirism because ultimately at the core the the being himself who's running that whole thing that's exactly what he's trying to do he's trying to steal away god's glory he's trying to steal god's name and and that's that's what we are encouraged to do when we embrace all these trans things and, and humanism and all that you know god's name is i am hmm. there's nobody else who can say that except for those who again want to want to try to steal away a little bit of god's glory saying no you're not i am mm -hmm. i am able to make my own decisions about what's right and wrong i am able to glorify myself i am able to set my own day you know but go read the book of job and you will be reminded of, of just how small and little we are but you really gotta i encourage everybody to have have compassion and pray for those who are still underneath the sort of philosophy we've detailed here because we're told mm -hmm. in first corinthians 2 14 the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned so let us not stand in judgment now of of our brothers and sisters who are still under the sway of lucifer i was that way myself i may mm -hmm. still be at times today lord have mercy on us all but we got to realize like this is really a matter of heart and and really this has a lot to do between that individual soul and God. And all we need to do is, is be patiently there and ready to help 
bring the gospel, to help bring the good news when the time is right. But again, this is has a lot to do with personal choice. And to those who have chosen to be the natural man as opposed to the spiritual man, it doesn't matter how many times you open the Bible and show him the passages. He's not going to get it, mm. you know. And so be be patient with your brothers and sisters. Uh, be loving and, and, and pray for their mercy. Like there's, when I was motivated by all these things, there were some famous musicians who really inspired me. Trent, Trent Reznor, uh, Alexander Keenan, and uh, Marilyn Manson, also known as Brian Warner. Those three guys, Nine Inch Nails, Tool, Marilyn Manson, those bands really, really from an early age warped my perspective. And at first, when I came to Christ, I got angry at them. Anymore, when those guys or their songs come to mind, I try to pray for them. I try to pray for them that they're not dead yet. They still have time, maybe, to to turn their hearts towards towards the Lord. And so, as we as we view the world unfolding around us, the more we learn about the these Luciferian agendas, the more easily we're going to be able to spot it. But let us not fall into judgment and condemnation. Let us be long suffering, and let us be you know in prayer in regards to these people um, so that none shall be lost so that all can be fitted for a wedding garment. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to end this. Um, like we've been talking about Luciferian philosophy, but the way out of this uh, for individual people isn't philosophy, right? It's personal experience of the love and mercy of God, which um, we have all uh, experienced. Well, everyone has experienced, but um, if you're a Christian, you now know explicitly that you have been this, experiencing the love of God, uh, and you are right now, and you will into eternity. Uh, yeah, so with that, um, that's basically uh, everything I wanted to talk about. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, thank you for coming on. Maybe just um, let the people know what your uh, plans are for the future in terms of your uh, online activity, what your, your goals are, what you want to do and stuff. Uh, my my goals going forward. Um I would like to I would like to start making some godly music. I used to make some very ungodly music and mm. I've been playing uh, I've been playing privately. But I, here in the future I'd like to bring my music back out. You got to realize when I started making the, the turn towards Christ, I pretty much put all of my creative passions on hold while I could mm. yeah. rehabilitate my soul. But I feel like I'm about ready. So uh, you can expect some some music and some uh christ inspired artwork and then um as people request i might put out short little videos five ten minute videos about things uh people specifically ask for beyond that um i'm just gonna i will wait for for invitations for interviews kind of like from yourself that's how all of these interviews have happened mm -hmm. and i'm pretty adamant about me not going out seeking interviews I will wait until the good Lord sends in my way so that, again, I don't fall into my own sense of vainglory or, or, or out there trying to talk about things that maybe God don't want me to talk about, you know, so uh, there will be things coming. It will probably mostly be creative content unless somebody specifically asks me to talk about a specific thing. So and I'm on Instagram. Uh, I don't know why, but it's the old name, uh, the chemical marriage. And uh yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I think I'll be getting rid of all social media here real soon. I've pretty much cut most all of it out except for that Instagram. But I think that's one of the things I'm going to give up for Lent. And I, it might nice. not ever come back. So YouTube will probably be the best place to find me in the foreseeable future cool, or my cool. website. So.
Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and with that, uh, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Thanks everyone for watching and, uh, yeah, yeah, this was a great conversation and, uh, God bless you, brother. Thank you, Trey. Thank you very much. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. God bless you as well, friend.